BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. It's, it's weird because I only have a small area in front of me that can, like, it's my screen. Yeah, that's like alarm clock music. It's like time to wake up and go to work. I don't say I wouldn't say it's that bad. You know, I've got a smile on my face. I want to point out something here really funny. In the last podcast, we mm-hmm. played music and Aaron's over there head drumming and beating and going bop, 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 bop. And then I use the audio that don't have the music, but he's still headbanging to the music <laughs> that don't exist. <laughs> it uh, it made me chuckle while I was editing. So, Well, is it because of the polls? Yes, the polls. The uh, the polls so, are shifting. Yes. Oh, good yes. God, let's do not go back down this route again. Yeah. yeah. Can we? I'm, we're gonna. Okay. We got a. We got a guest here. He wants to. Yes. He, he wants to. And he. And well, he even drinks a red can. But we're gonna let him stay. <laughs> Ooh. Oh boy. So everybody that sees the red cans in all my videos, this is the guy to blame right here. <laughs> I'm the one who smuggled those in. I waited for oh, yeah. the perfect moment where there was a Pepsi shortage <laughs> and I brought in a whole stack of the red cans. <laughs> so anyways, we are back. Uh, Rainier. Yes. Did mm-hmm. I say that right? Yeah. Last name. I'm not even going to try. Van Ruin, if you want Van, to. Van, I will ruin. Mm-hmm. I will Van Ruin that name. <laughs> <laughs> <There you go. laughs> I promise you. It's about so. like Kirsch. He can't say Kirsch. He says curse. Yeah, so... Aaron's boss at his other job is Matt Kirsch, but I just call him Matt Kirsch. <laughs> because- I thought that's how it was pronounced too. <laughs> <laughs> that's a curse with a K, by the way. Yeah. In yeah. Case, just in case anybody's wondering. Yep. But anyways, so- I'm at uh, Rainier, a.k.a. Flame and Dirt. Flame and Dirt is the name of your powder coating business, Yes, correct? You're from Dallas, Texas. Not originally, though. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, further deep south. <laughs> <laughs> so before we get into how we met and what we've done, why don't you just kind of give us a little bit of history of, I guess, is it fair to say how you ended up on this side of the pond? Yeah, yeah, I think that's. Uh, I, I don't want to. I, I don't know how the how the the lingo goes there. I don't want to insult <laughs> nobody. I know you didn't swim over here, but I mean, you butcher everybody's name. Does it really matter? Well, it's not. It's Ramirez. Yeah, but there's such a thing as adding insult to injuries. I <laughs> <laughs> insult honestly, like I do it to his face. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> See, now you know how I feel all the time. I, I'm trying to remember when he first met me, how he pronounced my name. It's somewhere in one of the videos. Oh, my friends it's... go like, why did Mike call you that? <laughs> <laughs> That's like the poor, you remember, the, I don't want to get off track here. Remember the poor guy from Workbrow? <laughs> <laughs> so, 
What, what did I keep calling him? Tyler. His name was Tyler, and I started calling him something else. Yeah, and you did, like, the whole day. No, his name wasn't. Oh, boy, I'm going to screw this up again. We, got, we need to figure this out. We're going to see him in Vegas. Yes. Todd, his name was. No, his name was Tyler, but you were calling him something Anyways, else. his name was Tyler, but the whole time in the videos, I started calling him by another name, so that's his new name at work now. <laughs> like, nobody calls him Tyler no more. <laughs> oh, I just remember Regier. Regier, that's what you called. Yeah, Regier. <laughs> See, I got Why the... Ren- calling you hey, Rainier. It's one name at a time. Like, this year, we got the first name down pat. <laughs> Next year, we'll work on the last name. I got him saved in my phone as Flame and Dirt, so that makes it a lot easier. I have you as the mayor, Michelle, so... No, oh my goodness. There you go. You trying to figure out what his name was? No, I, I got it right. I was just checking. <laughs> oh, what did I keep calling him though? His name was Tyler, but I kept calling him something I don't else. Remember what you it was like off the wall because I was like, man, I-, I thought I nailed it. He kept agreeing with me. I'm like, Poor all guy. right, cool. <laughs> Steve? Yeah. Okay. Oh, it wasn't oh. Steve. It was something else with a T. Trevor. Trevor. I kept calling him Trevor. Trevor. There you go. I called yeah. him Trevor for like three videos straight. And then I come to find out his name was Tyler when I got an email from him. I'm like, so yeah. here I'd be like, hey, Tyler, can you come over here and check this out? And, and Mike be over there, hey, hey, Trevor, come over here. <laughs> <laughs> so he was answering both times. I, Tyler I have Trevor. never claimed to be good with names. <laughs> no, I, I have a massive, massive downfall there. Yeah, but you got uh, you got a huge advantage. Like, English is like your third language. Like, English is my only language. So. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have quantity or quality. So, uh, so my, my excuses are like way out the window here, you know. I'll tell you a good story about not not remembering people's names. Uh, I lived in the desert up in Africa, uh, in the Kalahari Desert, and we lived in a small town, but it was literally the only town within I think is something like a million square miles. So all the doctors, lawyers, all the professional services is in this town, and then of course all the farmers was around. Now, if you own a small business there, everybody knows who you are. Right. So you And you walk most of the time. So I'll be walking down the street and people will come up to me and say, hey, Renier, how are you doing? Ask things. And you don't recognize them. And But it was simple. So if the guy wore, wore shorts with some, you know, boots, you're like, oh, man, how's the rain? <laughs> how's the farming? <laughs> and, and if you wore something a bit more formal, you know, you go like, oh, how's business, buddy? <laughs> I got away with that for the f- well, four years I lived there. It was based on how they were dressed. <laughs> so it's a good detective work there. Yeah. What, what, what were we doing this week? We figured out my detective skills weren't the best. That's a whole other topic, isn't it? Yeah. We're getting way off subject. So, yeah. anyways, back to what we want. Let's get back to our guest. This podcast is not about you, buddy. <laughs> you either. <laughs> so, anyways, you were born in South Africa. Born and raised in South Africa. What uh, now? So I talked to you a little bit about this whenever you were here last time, but the picture I had in my head of South Af- Africa and the picture you painted were like two completely different things. And I think it's a it's a common idea that whatever you see in the movies, right, is uh, you know, but it's a lot more civilized than I realized. South Africa looks like the states. I mean, yeah, that's what I guess not, that's what I'm kind of getting at. Even, is and it goes. I've I've been probably said I've traveled quite a few countries in my life. And it goes for the most part, uh, all the countries I've been in. I mean, nobody truly lives, you know, in, in the dark ages anymore, unless you go up to like very deep in Central America, very deep in Central Africa. And and if we go to some of the Arabian countries, there are people who literally don't have any power, don't have any water, things like that. But for right. the most part, yeah. you get the this, this basic things are there. There are streets, there are street lights, there are 
some form of a traffic management system. I would say the biggest difference is uh, from country to country is how well people manage the services. Yeah, you know, it's, it's where you, it's where you see the big the services is in is, is in all government provided uh, road thing. road conditions, safety, infrastructure, uh, infrastructure, ambulance fire services. rescue, and that I must say in all the countries I've traveled has varied drastically from country to country. Some of them are fantastic. And even in our own country in the United States. Because so this I'm sounds a like a very good uh, impromptu rating. Yeah. So who's number one? <laughs> the best I have ever seen, uh, personally experienced, I must say, is actually in my hometown in Dallas. Uh, really? My late wife uh, got hurt uh, and she called the ambulance services and they were there in a matter of seconds. And so I actually went and did the research. Two minutes and 45 seconds really? is the average time from when they have your address until they are in front of your door. Uh, oh, that ain't happening here. Yeah, about two hours is the average time, right? So do not get hurt in the shop. Yeah, don't get hurt in the shop. <laughs> it's the same thing when I lived in New York. Is, is you're in the city, it actually takes 45 minutes on average to get somebody there. And I'm sure yeah. as New Yorkers will say there are places that is better. Right, right. But, but it's a it's a common thing. Uh, but yeah, I would say I would say the the smaller towns. And what I've seen, the little I have traveled in the world, and specifically in our country in the States, is you see it from how people react. Yeah. So in Dallas, if there's any emergency services on the road, it's like the parting of the Dead Sea. I mean, people just scatter and give them room to go. Yeah. Uh, when I lived in New York, uh, they have to make quite a bit of noise before people try to get out of their way. So I think the community contributes to how good the emergency service is by playing the game and getting out of their way when they want to. Yeah. I don't want to go too far down a rabbit hole here, but it, uh, it aggravates me a little bit whenever people, and I, and I've been guilty of this myself. I'm not going to pretend like I'm not as we sit here and complain about things in this country. Uh, and then we don't realize how good we've got it because okay. you, you don't have to go travel very far at all to realize it could be a whole lot worse. The worst here, it could be a whole lot worse. Oh, absolutely. And, and I, sadly, my family has lived through it. Uh, my cousin was one of the best orthopedic surgeons in South Africa, cousin once removed, and he died because his own hospital couldn't get an ambulance to him in time. Wow. Really? It took them, took them something like two hours to finally get into the hospital and died from a brain aneurysm, which they could have fixed right. had if, they if gotten they, him. Yep. So this goes to show how how bad it can get in certain situations and to say he was he was not an unknown person he yeah. was famous and he was within five miles from his Whoa. own hospital and they couldn't get really there. And, yeah. and once they got there it was too late so it's uh there's definitely there's definitely a difference in service in my opinion my humble opinion the great thing about the united states is we still have enough of a voting balance that you can change things so many other countries I've traveled in, the dominant party is so dominant that there's really there's, nothing. You're just along for the ride. You, you're pretty much along yep. for the ride. You're either, your opinion aligns with the current mm -hmm. superpower or it doesn't. But there's very little you can do. We are still balanced enough here that if the scale tips too far to whatever side, yes. people will, will start changing sides and bring mm -hmm. the scale back and say, okay, no, this is not good. This is not what I meant when I was voting that side. Now I'm going to go look on this side. Yep. And then the same thing, your scale goes too far on that side. So I believe that that is our big saving grace. I'm talking about generations. Right, right. right. You know, between yeah. next week and the week after this. 
we somehow find our way back home again. Mm-hmm. Where it's and many of the of the really dominant. Uh, I sure hope you're right because I feel like we're on a little adventurous mm-hmm. trip right now. <laughs> so I say, it'll balance. It always balances itself out, and I think that's a that's a great privilege to still be able to do that. Right. I mean, I have been on both sides. If you think about South Africa's history, in apartheid era, there was only a white vote, so that was the only vote to count. And then after apartheid was abolished, everybody had a vote, but the the numbers yeah. was 95% to 5%, so the vote tipped to the other side. One thing I did find interesting is that everybody who is on the losing side of any voting contest always felt like they got cheated. <laughs> 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 and, and, and then the same thing happens when, when, when the power shift. <laughs> you know, then all, all the people who feel like got cheated is just on the other side of the yeah. coin. <laughs> you know, we got, we got a lot of privilege. I mean, I came here as a choice. Right, right. I, I could have gone anywhere in the world I wanted, and I came to the states because I wanted to be. So let's uh, let's talk about that a little bit. You um, grew up as a kid in South Africa. Yeah. Uh, I'm assuming you finished um, high school or whatever their version of that is there. Uh, once you graduated, um, this would have been. I don't want to give give your age, but this would have been in the 90s. I graduated 84. I don't mind saying that. <laughs> <laughs> they actually made a movie about our class. Class of 84 was was a movie it was interesting is class of 84 came out long before i was i was in my final year in high school really i had a different experience than most most kids um i was very privileged i lived in the school district of one of the top schools in the country and so i was able to go to the school because i'm they have to take the kids in that in that district that district and and so i had a much better high school experience than most mm-hmm. kids. A lot of people I talk to, they refer to college as this amazing time. And my time in college, I was, I went twice. The first time I went was for engineering and I got sick. And funny enough, the college canceled my tuition the day after I paid it. <laughs> <laughs> they literally, on the Friday was the final day to pay the rest of the year's tuition. And on the dated the Monday morning was a letter in the mail that said, you missed too many classes. Really? I'm like, you could have told me that on Friday before I paid for the second I didn't have your money yet. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. We, this, is the, this is the official last payment date. This is the, <laughs> this is, this is the official. But yeah, so, so I went back to work. We got to back up a little bit. It'll make more sense. Um, I was 12 years old when I got interested in computers. And... Um, which this would have been mid eighties. Yeah. Back Which, then. Back did then you know was... about computers in the mid eighties, Jason? Yes. I mean, uh, man, I must've been living underneath the rock. Cause I don't think I knew yeah. about a computer. until yeah, I, had... I, I was designing them in the, the early seventies. <laughs> What's that? I was designing them in the early seventies. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't know? Uh, was not aware. I apologize, yeah, little buddy. Sorry, oh, you're welcome. <laughs> I don't think I. I don't think I. I'm trying to think. My first computer experiences was probably legitimately high school, which uh, would have been the mid '90s. I'd say early '90s for me. Yeah, somewhere in there, and it wasn't something I embraced. Uh, we, we had, yeah, it was. Uh, I think it was my freshman year. We had computer class. Yeah, and and that was when we. No, I take that back. Back up the coal train. I was a badass on Oregon, Oregon Trail on the old <laughs> Apple floppy disk. <laughs> I had a NASCAR video game that I remember playing. That, that was uh, that was that was elementary school in the the, the basement library of St. Paul's. Oh. 
So that would have been that would have been late eighties. Yeah. Late eighties. Oh yeah. Oregon Trail. He had to blow the dust off the old floppy and get her in there just right. Yep. <laughs> that's funny. So, yeah, so that's where it started. Um, but I mean back then computers wasn't a subject you could take in high school. Um it mm-hmm. didn't exist. And so I walked up to what was a small development shop in our town, knocked on the front door and said, I would like to learn how to program. And the guy said, sorry, son, we don't have time to teach kids. And I asked, well, can I at least meet some of the programs? They said, yeah, okay, you can. They took me to this back room, dark back room where these guys were sitting coding. And uh, I spent about an hour with him. And the one gentleman, I wish I could find him today, but I think he's passed by now. But he was, he took me under his wing and he went back to the manager and said, I want to train this kid. So I worked for them for obviously no pay for about a year and a half. And then I got good enough to where I started professionally programming when I was 14. Really? So I had to go. So you were doing this while you were in school? I had fantastic parents, still have them. My parents were massively supportive. And the only rule was I had to keep my grades high enough so I can go to university. There's a certain distinction in South Africa. You have to qualify. It's called a university exemption. Um, But yeah, I was 14 years old. I would get up 7 in the morning, go to high school, get home at 1.30 when school go out there, eat something, 2 o'clock, go to the office, come back in the morning sleep really? five hours <laughs> so, so I, all these years later are you just about, just as passionate about it now as what you were then yes uh i would say i am lucky enough that it can be a little bit picky about what i program right but but no the passion has never it's never gone away um and you go through phases i mean it's a so like, how and this is i don't want to get mm-hmm. i don't want to jump too far ahead but how different and how similar is programming then versus programming now? It's similar in the sense that it's still a logic problem to be solved. Uh, it's completely different. I mean, if you count the so-called generations of languages uh, being actually talking assembler or the raw computer language being generation one, the lowest form, we must be somewhere with seven or eight now. So it started off if you want to program anything, you either need to learn assembler or you need to program in a language that took quite a while to convert, what they call compile, convert back to assembler. Um, and you had very limited memory, you had very, very slow machines. So you had to be really, really creative. I mean, I cringe today if I see some of the younger programmers load a module of which they use maybe a button that eats up 10 meg. We didn't even have one make of total <laughs> memory back then. So, so that has changed. Um, the last few years, the so-called no-code languages came in. The concept being that you don't actually program. You just give the machine a set instructions. So anybody can program in no-code. Um, it's made it a lot more accessible. Unfortunately, with it comes problem that you've now put so many layers on top of layers on top of layers that it's a lot more inefficient from a machine perspective. Luckily, right. the computers have got so damn fast, it doesn't matter. So the, basically, the computers have gone fast enough, they can sort through all their own garbage to find what yeah. they need. And, 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 and think about it. Um, if you have an assembler language, I think there's a total of 11 instructions in the original assembler. 
obviously combinations of permutations got to what you want, you get to some of these no-code languages these days and they have thousands of potential instructions you can use. And each instruction will have you know, several options, 20, 30 options of little things you can change. If you think about a button, you can change the shape, you can change the color, you can change what's written on it, you can change how it behaves. Well, when the computer goes through its instructions, it has to test for every single one of those options. See, did the guy put the light on? Did he not put the light on? Even whether he was going to use the color button or not doesn't matter. It still has to read through all the stuff. So you, so you end up, you know, where it used to be a few thousand machine instructions could give you something. It's now billions. Mm -hmm. But computers can process billions of instructions. Right. So, so that's different. Um, it used to be, in my humble opinion, there used to be a lot more pride behind it. You know, if you could figure it out, if you could work with it. it you was, could crack the code. It, th there was something really special about that. Uh, not just the skill set, but the achievement that went with it. These days, you almost don't even mention your program anymore. You'll say you're an IT professional, but yeah. how you how your profession doesn't yeah. doesn't come <laughs> come into it. So there's sadly there's not a lot there's not a lot left. There's a couple of really really unique uh, programming opportunities today. Obviously, everything around the AI space is fascinating, and how far the guys have come with AI. Um, some of the super high speed stuff, like stuff we did for the bank, uh, where you sorting through billions of transactions a minute. Um, there was unique, unique skills in that field where, where you, even a computer at its fastest, we once did a test on some communication, you know, transactions for, for, for like trading. And I just looked at it and it was, we were literally approaching the speed of light where if they wanted this stuff much faster, even if the computer took no time at all, just the time it took for the signal to travel <laughs> on yeah. the optic cable from Dallas to New York and back started become would become the block. So, so that was that was neat stuff to do. Um, so, getting circling back around. So, you, um, I guess, did you work at this computer shop up and through graduating high school? I did. And then once you graduated high school, that's when you took off to, I, to, to do. Do you need to do engineering? Um, got sick. Had to come back. Uh, I was lucky with uh, good grades. Uh, I got a really good scholarship to go to to go to uni. But the problem with it was when they said I couldn't finish my year, I had to pay that scholarship back. Really? So the obvious thing to do was go back to to programming because remember by now I've been programming for six years. So then, did you go back to university for a second? Well, a second time for for computer science. Um, that was an easy one for me. Um, funny enough, I got tricked up with uh, physics, which is actually a subject I thoroughly enjoyed. I just didn't grade well in it for some reason. And then I just got to a point where I'm like, I am now, what, 23 years old. I've got nine years of computer programming experience behind me. Why do, why do I keep on wanting, you know, wanting this degree? Why is that such, yeah. a, such a big thing for me? Right. And I just started, I, from there on, I just coded. So you were at that point when you made the decision, you didn't chase the degree no more. No, you no, went no, straight into the programming side. Yeah. So, uh, and obviously at this point, you're still in South Africa, right? Mm. So how did that bring you here? A close friend of mine in the desert town where I was. Um, I ended up in the desert because I wrote the software, the design, the pipeline that went through. 
desert. Engineering firm hired me to do that. Um, amazing, amazing humanitarian project, getting water to people who've never seen water other than whatever they could pull out of the ground. Suddenly there was actual water. And a friend of mine there, he came to the States on a tennis scholarship. On a tennis, like playing with yeah, a little yeah, green ball? Yeah, tennis scholarship. And he started computer science, and he met a friend who was uh, doing a legal degree. Two of them started a, a small training software firm. And that's how I came over. He called me one day. I was helping them with tests in South Africa. He called me one day. He said, look, but um, I got to let this go. We've been working on this for five years. We're getting nowhere. I got to go. I got to continue with my career. I got to do something else. And I said to him, well, um, you know, the only thing I'm working on right now is really your stuff. So if you're going to cancel that, I have nothing specific to work on. Why don't you take, why don't you fly me over to the States and let me see what I can do to help? Because I was only doing testing. I wasn't doing any programming. For them. And I came over and in the six weeks that, that I allotted to help them, was able to turn it around to where they felt like they now have it. They now have a chance. So this was basically software for training of training software, software for stock <clears throat> trading. Oh, okay. Stock. Gotcha. Yeah, so full, the full screen where you can go mm -hmm. pick your stock. So it's was used extensively by pro professionals, but the whole idea was that any, any member of the public who had a trading account could use it. So our target client was really broker dealers. Gotcha. So, so you could, <clears throat> you could sign up for a trading account of the broken dealer. And in that time that our software started making a mark is, is when, when all these internet-based, you know, to do your own trade type stuff was, was, was growing. Well, I mean, I guess kind of looking back on it, you were pretty fortunate to get your training and knowledge when you did because you were kind of ahead of the computer curve for the most part as it become, gained its popularity and the internet become uh, more prevalent, I guess, would be the... No, absolutely. And and not saying they they weren't brilliant people who didn't supersede me. I mean, there were some guys that I've met in my career that's just phenomenal in, in what they can do with a computer. And I think I have made, you never know because you never made all of it, but I know of at least two people I made in my life that must be in the top 20, 25 people who ever programmed. Um, so yeah, there's, there's people who caught up and went right, way ahead of me. Right. I just feel honored that I was good enough and to actually talk to these human beings <laughs> because when you when you know people like Bao Hong start talking at his level you programming world might not he's one of the true geniuses of this industry um if you're not savvy you'll he you know you'll lose the, the thread so that's that's my claim to fame as I could actually follow him so that was, but but that was something something special and it helped it helped and I remember the whole thing about 10,000 hours I was about 33 years old. Not saying that I couldn't program up to that point, but at 33, I got to a point where you would hear the problem and you'd already have the programming solution. It just took time to type it out. So you get to that point. I don't know if you guys remember the movie Matrix. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Where he finally sees the zeros and ones in the mm -hmm. walls. That's the best way I can describe if you get to that level. Yeah where somebody will say, oh, what if we do this? And you can, you immediately see the, see the solution. And, but unfortunately it's like, you know, homework, you gotta go, yeah. right, you gotta go, <laughs> go type it. And some of these programs take months to just program.
Yeah. So the so the so the first project in the states was the stock brokering yeah. software, correct? Mm-hmm. Now, were you, did you have intention to stay in here, or were you planning on going they, back? Or they the idea was that that I would go back after help after helping, and then they asked me to stay. Gotcha. And so I came, and I was basically part of the furniture when Bank of America bought the whole kit and caboodle. So Bank of America basically bought your guys' software. They came to they came down to look at the software as a potential product and one of the gentlemen that was part of that team i believe was part of the acquisitions team as well long story short he figured out that bank of america could buy our company for less than what their current trading software would cost them over the next three years so you guys basically sold out to bank of america at that point So, but you kind of went with them, didn't you? Didn't you continue to yeah. work? I, 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 I'm the only one of the original guys who stayed. Um, the two, the two original guys who started it, they retired. Um, and then the third gentleman that was part of a, a pack of four, um, he got other opportunities and left. Um, he came back later years and worked with us again, which was really cool because the gentleman's name is Steve Kofer. I don't think many people know about him. He's the guy that cracked the Russian uh, encryption code. Really? He's got, I uh, military people will be able to tell me what exactly, but he's got the highest medal the military can give to a civilian. And this is the guy that will work with you on the software. So so he got that because uh, after the Enigma machine came the code book and they ran that code book for a very long time. Uh, his wife was a Russian language expert in the military, and he was the programmer. So she did the translations, he did the code cracking, and he actually cracked the book. Really? And from what I've heard is it took quite a while before they re- even realized they had so much confidence in that book. It took quite a while before they realized the book, the book was cracked. <laughs> so I got to work with them. True genius. True, true, true genius. Yeah. So there was a massive progress. To so how many years did you spend in the Bank of America fold, I guess? Uh, so we bought out end of 04, um, beginning of 05. And I stayed with them until 2012. So until after the, the merger with Merrill Lynch. Um, at that level, you get yourself in a position where you cannot leave. Um, right. So I went from the guy that was the brains behind or last man standing behind Instacote. I got opportunity after opportunity. And I, 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 when I left the bank, I was head of electronic trading at the bank. So from a technology perspective, of course, not a financial perspective. Right, right. So I did, I had all of the US electronic trading was under me. And they pay you in small cash part and then mostly shares. But to take... Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba takes years to get the shares it's, every company changes it but it, the normal formula is basically you get paid this year in shares you can get a third of it next year and a year after that and a year after the so-called retention bonuses well you play that game 
they sit with two years of your salary because those shares are worth about 80% of what you earn all the time. Yeah. And so, and you can, if you resign, it's done. Um, they went through a rather big retention in 2012. And unlike the previous ones that was based on number of people, this one was tied to dollars. So taking a senior guy would be the better thing. And I actually yeah. asked, could, could I be on the list? Well, I said, no, why would I let you go? I said, well, I will never get another opportunity to get out. So I left and then started the consulting company. So basically once you left uh, the bank, you kind of branched out on your own and just started consulting and in in, in, in doing, um, I don't want to say um, uh, pet projects, but you did cherry picking your projects of kind of different things that are helping different people um, along the way or, or different projects, I guess. Yeah. And I, I still consulted in the banking industry because that's where my expertise is. But we started the prototyping shop, which is basically what all you and I do is, is, is from that, that section where, that was always to me that was an exciting thing to do is to be able to be in a position to make people's dreams come true in a affordable manner right right some of the stuff i've seen is, is prototypes we built for people that was you know five or ten thousand dollar prototypes Com official prototyping companies would say okay bring us a quarter million dollars and we look at it now, granted, some of them should never be built. <laughs> I have seen, I've seen some ideas we shouldn't see. This we, we've never built anything that should no. never be built. We built a tile plow. They said would never work. Yeah, yeah. I, I would yeah. consider tile plow. Some I'm talking about stuff that you look at the idea and go like, no. Yeah, <laughs> but you can't tell the guy he's got a horrible idea. So you can some say, sorry, we don't have the skill set. <laughs> we don't have that machine that you need to make this. You, you can come up with ways in which you discourage people. From. That's a very politically correct way of saying if you got a crap idea. Yeah, <laughs> we, I remember that one. Thing once I've ever seen is this was just almost like a remote control idea for animals. An idea was that you would, you know, you push a button, the dog gets food. Really? And by then, IoT, home IoT was already running. Like, you can do that with software. But uh, the lady came to us with the idea, and she took a piece of wood, and in it was carved out the little remote control. <laughs> <laughs> Perfectly scale where the buttons are going to be. It's just like, oh, but you can see I've already got it. You just got to make these buttons work for me. Like, man, I'm sorry. Because, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like I say, by, by then you could do the damn stuff off your phone, so why yeah. would you do it? Um, yep. I need to give this thing real quick before I forget so he's responsible. <laughs> You'd be very proud of me. Before I did the brake check in Bubba Dump, I took that yeah. off the dash so it so didn't go it flying. Go flying into you're, the dash you're welcome. Inside. So Thank now you. it's your responsibility to keep track of small parts. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Man, I don't get a break around here. You know. <laughs> so now that you've been in the uh, uh, prototype and consulting business, like what's some of the standout projects you've either did for programming or prototyping on that side? Well, the big problem with that is you cannot talk about them. Oh, you? man. They, no, but think about it. The first thing somebody who's got an idea is they believe it's the greatest idea ever. And, it, mm -hmm. and the neighbor is see that's complete it. opposite of me because every time I get an idea, I'm pretty convinced it's the stupidest mm. idea ever. But I'm not no. smart enough to quit. Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. That, that's that's very common. Is nothing that comes into the prototype shop is not showered in NDAs and and, and you know 
non-disclosure, which is when, when we had this conversation last year, what I was so excited about doing the dial plow. We're actually going to share what we're doing. Right, right. You know, but without naming specific stuff, I would say uh, the stuff that we do in the robotics world, the, the mechanical combined with electronic world is the stuff I enjoy the most. Um, Programming-wise, I mean, I've been there, done that. Code. I think the only thing that I would still have wished to be able to do uh, is something on the scale of the weather, weather forecast space. Really? It is, what, the, what biggest, is... It is the biggest <clears throat> data set that gets consumed on a daily basis in the world that I'm aware of. The weather. Yeah. So we always joked and said, uh, the only people that have more data than we have in the trading industry is NOAA. The only difference is we have to get it right every microsecond. Nobody only has to give a prediction every six hours and be right half of the time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah, I think, I think at that scale, there should be something really interesting to do. You know, when you're talking about how many weather stations they have actively reading weather all day long. But yeah, the, the, current, the current demand is every six hours. Really? Well, Noah has to put out a new, a new one every six hours. I think there's some of the competitors like Windy and those guys that are doing their own for hire, you know, uh, public weather predictions that are doing it at a, at a, at a higher rate. But, but Noah is supposed to come up. So that would be nice. And of course, the one thing it's still missing from my side, other than the amateur rockets we, we flew, is doing something in the space program would be awesome. Oh, yeah. yeah We're not building any rocket ships. Yeah, don't get your hopes up. <laughs> I don't think that'll be coming out of this shop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Unless well, it's a foam well, one. Well, <laughs> not with that attitude. That was, that was one of the coolest things. So I have a rule that I learn a new skill every year. And then I was anything from trying to learn languages. I've never been good at it. Uh, to knitting. I mean, I learned how to sew. Like, it always has some correlation back to engineering. I learned weaving because weaving machines are incredibly interesting machines. You know, I learned sewing because I built my own rockets and I sewed my own parachutes. Um, so I would say of the things I've learned, the one that's closest to my heart is the rocket, the amateur rocketry. Really? It's just a very unique, special, special space to be in. So I know nothing about this. So what's the, what's the uh, amateur rockets 101? So in the United States, you are allowed to fly your own rockets up to roughly 200,000 newtons, which is a big, big rocket. I mean, the engine is basically this big, six inches by sometimes 30 inches long. You're allowed to multiply them. Um, we are self-governed, and it's something that the amateur rocket guys are very serious about. So there's exams and things to pass to go to the bigger and bigger rockets, but it's because the rocket, the two rocket flying, amateur rocket flying bodies put those rules in place to show to the government <clears throat> professionals and officials, hey, we can manage ourselves, don't go and shower us with, with rules. Um, but yeah, you can start, uh, go to Hobby Lobby, you can buy one of the small little, little rockets and then you can go up and up. Um, so do you buy these or do you build them? Or If you go, if you start passing, I would say about... 4,000 feet, you got to assemble yourself. And you can build small ones yourself too. But you can buy a rocket, little uh, Estes is the biggest product name, rocket at they at Hobby Lobby. Um, it was a unique place I saw them the other day that I didn't expect them. 
um, I think it, oh, oh, it was in a craft store, not Hobby Lobby, uh, Michaels, I think, had it. Really? But, it, but yeah, so you can buy them and they are either pre-assembled or they need a little bit and all you need is a field and there's rules, you know, depending on how you rock it to go, how big the field has to be. Can't fly if there's a burn ban. But other than that, you can stick it up in the air and go. So Aaron's been welding and cutting and torching in this shop for three, four years with a box of road flares underneath his welding bench. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And had no clue. Yeah. I've told him multiple times. I got rid of them. <laughs> yeah. Emergency use, huh? Light well, anywhere. His shop's only been on fire like four times. He's responsible for three and a half of them. Mm-hmm. The other half was actually him on fire. Yeah. <laughs> Not the shop. Yeah. He ran outside, so it didn't count. There, there last year, I, I did have the shop on fire three or four times. Myself, a couple. <laughs> I have a, I, I go, I'm not an errands level at all, and I'm a bench welder, not a real welder. <laughs> uh, That's I, a pipe fitter. Yeah. Pipe fitters are bench welders. Yeah. I, that, my boss, my other boss, we were talking about Matt. Matt Kirsch. Yeah, oh, person. Uh, he's a pipe fitter. So I said, Yeah, I said, you can handle all them bench welds. I said, I'll do the field welds. We got to get in there where you can't get to them. And people, I don't think people realize the massive difference between those two skill sets. Yeah. Uh, yep. Bench welding, it still takes, I'm a big tick welder. I love tick welding. Welding, yes. It, it, it still takes a long time to learn. But I mean, everything is standing still. You're in perfect position. You're well supported. You can take yep. your time. What he does is just blows my mind. Yeah, it don't blow my mind. Yeah. I don't let his head blow up. <laughs> <laughs> but we got so I was I got a friend who sent me this wonderful T-shirt. Uh, I'll have guys got to send you guys a picture of it. But basically, it's this guy uh, bench welding. Yep. And it says, "Yeah, I'm fully aware that I'm on fire. Let me just quickly finish this one <laughs> run." <laughs> like so, so yeah, yeah. I've actually I've actually gotten to the point where I'm almost getting too calloused about it because we acetone everything before mm-hmm. before we weld, and I've got a nice metal solid metal welding bench. Well, you wipe down, you throw the acetone a rag yeah. over there. I, I had four of them already, and you're welding. You're like something Ooh. smells funny. <laughs> I've yeah. with, but literally, you finish the well. Yeah. Look, which, which headphones are yours? What number are you? <laughs> what number am I? Yeah, on the headphones here. Uh, I'm number one. I'm number one. Right, let me turn Aaron's headphones off. Yeah. So I figured out with Aaron, what I do is, is I see he's on fire, and I wait for him to quit kind of twitching a little bit, <laughs> and I know it's got to get burnt. I'm like, Aaron, you're on fire. By that time, he's done got a hole burnt in the side of his thing, you know? Okay, we'll, we'll turn you back on. Now you're good. Can you hear us now? Yeah, what'd you say? Nothing, exactly. <laughs> Lost signal. <laughs> yeah, it, it happens. Yeah, he will. He'll let me burn. Well, you got to finish the pass. Yeah, yeah but that, yeah. that's the thing. It's just, and people don't understand that. It's, yeah, I'm yeah. not grinding it out. To make a perfect well, there's yep. nothing worse than And it always stopping. will happen, like, before you're bringing your start-stop yeah. up. It'll happen about an inch to go, yeah. and you'll feel it start burning on the arm. It's like, oh, I can make it. I can make it. Because <laughs> heliarch, you know, it's yeah. a tick welding. It's a little bit slower. You're like, oh, I can make it. I can make yeah. it. I can make it. I can make it. And it usually gets to right when you're tying back in. Mm-hmm. And, and what I always do is I go back and I grab my old weld to heat yeah. it up and make that little circle, do that last stab, and I can't do it. I go, <laughs> yeah, you gotta put the <laughs> Yeah, I've got so with acetone work, my big mistake yep. is I got lazy, so I don't want to take my welding gloves off. And I just quickly acetone the next one. Well, then the welding, welding gloves, gloves are so yeah. soaked in the acetone. And of course, with TIG, there's not a lot of sparks. 
you get no. away with it five, yeah. six, seven, eight times before we, it's just that arc as you start yep. is enough to let the to let the glove on fire, and you can't see it. Yeah, especially not with these new auto, you know, welding helmets because you never do no work. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Aaron got a new helmet and he yeah. still hasn't figured out how I to use it. it out yet. I think it's got a computer on it. <laughs> yeah, we may need your help with this one. <laughs> I, can, I, can, I can help you. I, I finally broke down and spent uh, it's almost $300 you pay for the for the True Vision ones. Yeah. The True Color. Oh my God. Uh, like 3M? World's difference. World's difference, yeah. The 3M ones? Uh, no, mine's not 3M. It's another, it's another brand, but it's I've seen the 3M ones. I was very jealous of those. I said for the longest time, I'll never go to a 3M. I love yes. the slur ones, but then I got one at work and I'll never go back. Yep. Yeah. Cause you're, you're running speed glass, ain't you, Jason? Yeah. Forced there. Yep. Yeah. The 3M forced. The, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's the one you want me to buy. That's the one refused. I wanted him to buy me. Well, hold on now. While, while he can listen to you, I have a friend who's willing to sell you one brand new in a box, half price. Really? Did you hear that, boss? <laughs> Oh, I'm boss now, huh? I'll, I'll let you be my boss. You're going to buy me that hood. So I got the Lincoln Viking now. Mm -hmm. Is what I got. I got it uh, oh, here about a year or two years ago, but I've been not working out here, but working at my other part-time job in the boilers, and I ain't been doing much welding, uh, right. pushing that button on the radio. Well, you know. I ain't had really a good chance to use it. And what has happened was I get out here and I try to set it on shade 10 mm. and it's like on shade, I don't know, four. Mm. And I'm like, oh, I can't do this. Mm. <laughs> Did you, know how you haven't found that jump button. On the <laughs> oh, yeah. I got, I got you know how you're talking in. about trying to weld while your arm's on fire? He's trying to weld while his eyes are on fire. Yeah. Like, he's, yeah. I've been there. He's just, just raises his lid up. Like, you can just tell he's seeing spots everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah, but, 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 but that whole, that whole uh, what they call it, safety squint thing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, guys. I I was maybe in high school, I think late high school, when I helped my dad weld up a, a gate for a house, and I ended yeah. up with with full blooded archives. And never, yeah. if you you go through that once in your life, yep, and you will never ever look at a weld again. Yeah. So so I had the bright idea one time. We had one hood, but we had two cutting lenses, uh, mm. torch lenses there, mm. face shields. So I'll just double them up and I'll <laughs> help this guy watch him. And you know, Marshall Slive is not 10. Oh man. After about eight hours of that, uh, I was the next morning at the eye doctor and then yeah. uh, I had patches on my eyes for a week. <laughs> I know that people you, you can explain to people other than it is the equivalent of getting sand. But oh, not yeah. in your eyes. It's sand on your retinas. Yes. And there is nothing you can do to to, to scratch that itch. No. It's, it's unbelievable. It's terrible. Glass behind your eye. It's worse than getting brake fluid in your eyes. Yeah. And then it's, <laughs> it's gonna, wash it out. Yeah. And, and then twice. Twice. Yeah. I'd get it once like, oh, that burnt, that burnt bad. That burnt real bad. And uh, he goes, well, let's try it one more time. Well, <laughs> like an idiot, I go and I'm trying to hold my thumb over this hose and he's puffing that what was that that was the master cylinder That's on right, Bobby master cylinder, and he starts pushing that button and i'm trying to hold oh, i can't hold it not let it fly and it goes right my eye again oh man but i would take that over flash burn any day no, that that is the worst i have ever heard this is and yeah it, and it's it's i mean it is not i'm not saying i haven't had worse pain you know i've cut myself yeah. badly i've got literally every digit i've Damage to the yeah. shop at some yep. point in my life, 
but it's the fact that you cannot get to that earth. Uh-huh. Yeah. There's nothing you can you do, can't do anything. to get there. Yeah. It's just, it is insane. And, and you, your eyes tear nonstop oh, yeah. until, it's, until it's healed because it thinks it's on your legs. Right, yeah. This yeah. is pouring water over your face. Well, that, that was not a good one. I've had a few minor flash burns, but I've never had anything as bad as what you guys are saying. It sucks. Yeah, I've heard people talk about it. So I was actually in a YouTube video. I was I was showing somebody how to weld, and, and I would or no, it was line boring to one twenty. Aaron would strike an arc, and I would flip my helmet down anyway. And there's guys in the comments. I don't know why you're doing that. You're wasting your time. Da, da, da. I'm like, you ever been flash burned? No, <laughs> yeah. I don't think so. Yeah, the uh, I remember the guy that commented. I think it was in the uh, dumbass comments. The guy commented that he got uh, flash burned through the TV. Yeah, (laughs) video. I'm like, you got a damn good TV, boy. (laughs) That's that 5K. (laughs) Sign me up for that. So, but we'll circle or continue on here, I guess. But um, so, where how how did you and I cross paths, or how? Let's uh, I guess we need to get to that at some point. Yeah, so um, sorry we, about that too. Uh, <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah. I was I was in New York and coming down, coming down. You're not New York, in Annapolis. We, we were coming down, moving in a small RV for a friend, uh, and we came by here. And I wanted to to at least get to to the Derby Market, and we got here. It was the day before Christmas. It was the day before Christmas. And there was, was nothing. Nobody there. So you, I guess you would, you'd follow, found me on YouTube. Yeah, no, I've been, we've been watching your videos. I gotta go double check. We can, we can correlate it, but I think you were at five thousand. Really? Yeah. See, I was a nobody, Jason. Still am a nobody, but I was watching you before that. You were one of my first thirty. <laughs> Don't you feel privileged? Oh yeah. <laughs> you spent like six months having a bigger channel than I did. Not even. You found me pretty early then. Yeah. And and was watching the videos and just enjoyed enjoyed the content and stuff. And we we came by and you went there and then you came to put out the Christmas pre-Christmas trash run with the kids. Yeah, yeah. And we just happened to run and I said, Well, you know, there's some cool stuff we can do on Baba Dump. He's like, well, before I can do Baba Dump, I need, it's not Baba Dump. I'm, I'm, yeah, because we had started building the tile plow, but none of that yeah. had been posted on YouTube yet. Um, you said, no, uh, I got some other stuff I want you to help with. And that's how, that's how we started and did the first run, with 13 days of working nights. And yeah, but that's what's days. absolutely... And Jason, you can jump in here too, or Aaron, both. But that's what's absolutely awesome about YouTube is is the people you meet and the relationships yeah, yeah. you build. Like, yeah. I, me and Aaron, between the two of us, like, I was confident we had the knowledge to do the mechanical building of the tile plow. But I had no idea how to do any of the grade control stuff. Like, I that was out of my realm. And then here, this guy shows up the day before Christmas that happens to be a prototyper and a computer programmer. And I'm like, hey, it's early Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) But kind of to his point, I was more excited about trying to just, like, I'm never going to be able to program a computer, but just being able to see it done and understand how it works. And kind of, I mean, we were working on some stuff here tonight, tinkering tonight. It's just... It's just intriguing, you know. It's, it's something yeah. we don't do every day. So, 
um, you were actually going to offer to help do some powder coating on Bubba Dump yeah. is where the conversation yeah, started. It wasn't Bubba Dump. It was still oh, uh, no, Lieutenant, Lieutenant Dan. Dan. Yeah, yeah, Bubba Dump didn't yeah. exist at yeah, the time. Still Lieutenant Dan. And uh, we got talking about stuff, and then I realized there's a chance maybe you could help me with some grade control mm-hmm. stuff. So we started talking back and forth. And then – so that was before Christmas. Yeah. And when did you come back in March? March. We, we, we finally got calendars linked up in, in March. And uh, by that time, we had the tile plow built. Mm-hmm. And don't let me speak out of term here, but uh, we had a rough idea of what we wanted to do. But we went from concept to working prototype in 13 days. And I know, like, I don't think at the time I knew exactly what we accomplished. I knew we accomplished a lot. But as I posted the videos and I went back and think about it and, and thought about it, and people that actually knew what we did mm. in the comments, like we literally did a year's worth of work. Oh yeah, yeah. No, that 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 was the fastest I have ever been involved in a project. And I mean, I warned you in advance that that let's start by seeing if we can even begin with something that you can play with or try. Right. And it was just it was an insane two weeks. It just everything we tried worked. Some of the stuff blew up, but then, they, you know, <laughs> when then we let the smoke have a few components. <laughs> but when they blew up, it was even then we knew exactly why they blew up. We were able to we were able to problem solve. Right. If you think about it, that Sunday when you came back from the family trip, we still haven't had anything work like talk to each other. We we, we built individual components and. We could each one of them pass their test, but we needed the bulldozer. We needed all the wiring done in between the components, and we needed the plow all in one go. Yeah, I, I felt like Sunday night we put all that stuff together. Yeah, put the video out about oh my god, look, it looks like it's going to work. And then the next morning, Mike's like, "What else do we need to do?" I said, "No, everything is there except for this one last wire." He, he made the wire up. The next thing I know. He's got the dozer going. I don't waste no time. We're flying five boys. <laughs> I, I thought I thought I thought we testing whether this thing will even follow, and we did what for like thirty feet, <laughs> and he and he turns around and he and he looks at um, who's with us, Dave? Uh, uh, Matt, Matt, and Matt, Garrett was yeah, with us. Yeah. yeah, Matt, and said to Matt, uh, "Why don't you run down to the?" To the pipe supplier, get us some pipe. <laughs> yeah, so whenever that video that posted, I think you're in the video, that is legit the first time it being, like, oh. it, it came out of the shop. Like, we did a, a, a small trial run here in the shop. Yeah, but, I mean, the tip was never in the ground or no, anything. The, the con- move. Yeah, well, the concept worked, and, like, literally an hour later, we were plowing pipe. Yeah. It was it was a go time. Yeah. <laughs> you just drove the yeah, dozer missed, across I the road. all and- that. Yeah, you weren't. You did miss all that. You, and, and that that was right actually back. in that video. He put in the part, I believe, where we said, "Well, the only thing, sad thing, so all happy about what we achieved." Yeah, and Aaron wasn't yeah, there. You, you couldn't be there to see. Blame it. you got to blame Matt Kirsch yep. on that. He was I got it though. I was happy. <laughs> yeah, you were down. You were down, huh? Yeah. Uh, Jason took my spot. All yeah. But I mean, to think about what we what we got uh, two microprocessor boards there. We hacked the laser display, um, built an LCD display. Uh, I don't want to, like, I under, I can never write the code, but I 
feel like, and jump in here if I'm wrong, I feel like I got to the point where I understood what the computer was like, how it was thinking. So I could at least kind of understand what we needed to do or where we needed to go. Now he's the one that made it actually think uh, as far as everything going on. But that thing, we, as time went on, we figured out we had some small gimmicky issues with it, which we fully anticipated. And most of it has to do with not our programming or our building. It has to do with the laser display we decided, a laser receiver we decided to use. And same thing. It, it was, it was the, an affordable model. Right. It wasn't going to cost us a fortune if we blew it up because we, we, were, we weren't even building a prototype. We were building a concept. Yeah. Right. And the next thing we know, the concept was Well, and this is, this is one thing I did not cover very well in the videos at the time. But to buy a system that would do what we did was about thirty or forty thousand dollars. I don't know for sure, but we probably got less than a thousand dollars in that thing. In the electronic side? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, basically in your and my time and about a thousand bucks worth of stuff. Stuff, yeah. Yeah. And we it's the only thing we took a shortcut on in that oh no, the receiver was 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 several hundred. So Make it fifteen hundred bucks. Fifteen hundred bucks. Yeah, yeah. The whole thing, and that's the thing we took a shortcut. I think the receiver was supposed to be. I think that one goes for like four hundred dollars. Yeah, we ended up finally using one on eBay. Used for like, eBay for like eighty bucks. Yeah, but and uh, they, they, it's sitting over there. It's still alive. Yeah, it's in the background right here. If you guys can see it, it's still. How many miles did the concept plow? Uh, we plowed, so last year we plowed about 160,000 feet, and that thing's responsible for grade on probably about half of that. So uh, what's the prototype going to do then? So, yeah. well, the, we're, we're, uh, <laughs> he just happened to be passing through. We've been trying to get together since last fall. but There's no we, it's he. Well, Jason, have you ever noticed how busy I am? <laughs> yeah. Like... <laughs> I'll, I'll answer for you the other way around. After roughly five mics of Mike promising me every two weeks he's coming to Dallas, yeah. I just got him in the car and drove yeah, yeah. <laughs> So there, there's your answer. So you figured it out then? Yeah. No, but I, I, I brought my home with me. Yeah. So so Mike is still visiting me at my house. Yeah, I just see? didn't bring the house here. And, and actually, he got lucky. You didn't just turn around after hitting all this wind. Yeah, <laughs> he got lucky. I, I was almost blown over today. Oh, man. I, actually, uh, I didn't see it happen, but I was on the accident scene within minutes. They had actually blew a mobile home off the trailer. Yeah, really. Truck and trailer both over I've, I've over. picked a few of those up. Were you with me on that one? I picked up off of that I sixty four. No, this was on I sixty four. It flipped over out there, and the, my local buddy owns a record company. There was a video of it on YouTube. I posted it. Went out there and winched this thing up on the trailer sideways, and it's got all the insulation and everything mm -hmm. hanging out of it. And I told the state cop, I said, "Man, we need to tarp this or do something." He says, "Nope, I need to get home for supper. Go." <laughs> so I just take off down the interstate about eighty mile an hour. I figured if I'm going to blow it all out, I'm going to blow it all out. So he started off right on me. By the time we got to Ferdinand, he was a long way back with his lights on. There was insulation and debris all over the place. By the time I turned around and went back the other way, we were all good. Yeah. And, uh, and it wasn't a weight problem anymore. Nope. <laughs> this, was. this one, trailer and all, fell over on yeah. its side. But the wind got me twice where I was a good four or five feet over the line. Yeah, which we felt it. I know when we were, yeah, we, we went to Evansville, man. Went to Evansville, it was, it was windy. 
yeah, that's that, that's how we ended up getting back together again. Yeah, I so just had to come here. To fortunately, he was uh, traveling through for some other business, and it happened to line up. We got a couple days here uh, before I got to hit the road again, and um, we're hoping we can get far enough along because we're going to make some uh, kind of a change of how we read the laser. Uh, yeah, and, I think what excites me is is the fact that normally when you come to version two or three, you know you. you get more brazen you add more features and everything and i think the thing we learned here is simpler is better yes keep uh, it simple Stephen. so so we're actually going to remove the concept that we will be reading the lcd display we think we have a potential way of of doing that and then the other thing we wanted is we wanted to be able because we're now going to more expensive receivers we wanted so you can just pull them out and use them for the regular yeah and another huge advantage uh we have this time around is last time when we built this, I had plowed zero feet of tile. Yeah. And now we got 160-something thousand feet in, under my belt. So I kind of know how the <clears throat> the dozer behaves, how the tile plow behaves, how it reacts to grade changes and, and dips and swoops and all that good stuff. So um, it's um, I'm excited. We're going to kind of be working on 2.0 here. So. Yeah, no, no. I think it's it's a good one. I mean, there's other stuff we, we want to do in the future as well, but right. I think this one was, for, for what it was, it was successful enough to come back and say, okay, right, we, we will waste, for lack of a better word, another one of our collab opportunities to make this one even better before right. we move on to something else's. And, and, and <clears throat> you know, I caught a lot of slack for building the tile plow while we're working on Lieutenant Dan, but the reality of it is that tile plow... Uh, made me a lot of money and it will continue to make me a lot of money and it's going to make me money faster than lieutenant dan so it's worth every penny we put into this thing every yeah. minute we put into it and honestly i mean you jump in here Aaron, and say what you want to it worked better than we anticipated yeah and and actually you know it didn't i mean we got it actually built pretty quick yeah we if it wasn't for that uh redo on the lift cylinders yep we would have had that thing built in a week yeah Thanks to my good drawings and superb engineering. <laughs> which which was part of the contribution to the fact that the cylinders wasn't working. <laughs> but uh, to his point, that whole plow was a concept. It was a prototype. It was never meant to be used to the capacity it did. And, you know, boot somewhat failed on it, which honestly, we built it out as subpower materials because we didn't want to waste a bunch of money on stuff that didn't work. Yeah. And... Also, I think there may be a few videos. I told you, I think that that plow, when we built it, would be able to handle the dozer, not a bubba dump and a track hoe and everything <laughs> yeah, else. Up the entire fleet was, hooked yes, up in front of it. it. Was, I told him, I was like, I think we're good. I think we're good. That dozer will be fine for that. I didn't expect all this equipment being hooked to it. I have no idea what you're talking about, sir. <laughs> I, I tell you this, though. The little bit of experience I have had in the construction industry, because my dad is an engineer, there's not a piece of construction equipment that you do not see a bunch of repairs or welds of. The same with my uncle who's in the farming world. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what people forget. I'm going to go with farmers. I'm going to go with farmers have a lot more repairs than construction yeah, guys. Yeah, but the point is for that, whatever, $75,000, $80,000, the whole kit would have cost you. Yeah. There is, I guarantee you, for the amount of load you put on yours, 
they would have been maybe not a complete boot failure, but you would have been you would have had you would have been welding yeah. by then, and I think that's the that's yeah, and, and that's these people forget. That's another point too. You know, if I was to buy um, just a tile plow, that's forty five thousand yeah. dollars. Then you go buy the grade control system and put on it. That's another forty thousand dollars. You're talking about eighty five thousand dollars, and I think we had well, eleven thousand yeah. dollars in the in the plow. You started brainstorming the material, what the material was going to cost, and <laughs> and it was like one of those. Well, hey, let's go for it. Yeah, I'm like, you know what? Well, in full disclosure, this is one of the advantages of YouTube because I knew if this was a complete total failure, I'd get some of my money yeah. back over video. In it. Yeah. Um. So that helped kind of ease the pain of a potential failure. But um, yeah, I, I think, I think all in, I had like less than $12,000 in yeah. this thing and it literally paid for itself on the first job we used it. And, and, and just the fact that you can, that's what I'm talking back to with programmers from, from the eighties is the pride factor. The fact that I thought this up, I built it. Right. And, and we spoke a lot about it when I was here last time, uh, to this day, my greatest moments with my dad is the time we spent making stuff. Right. Well, and I, I just, don't even know if me and my dad can kind of hold the conversation for 30 minutes just talking about nothing. But we love doing stuff together. And, and to me, that's special. So the fact that I yeah. could come down here and work with him for 13 days and brainstorm and come up with ideas, that, that to me was worth it. Well, and... Oh, the, granted, I didn't pay the 12 grand for the steel. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, one major difference i think between well not completely but there is some different but you know with the tile plow you can stand back and say look at that i built that you can video it watching it work and nobody else has got one like it that's yours with computer programming i know you can still do that same thing too but it's not quite the same to get that visual you know what i mean oh and, and, and i'm and that's what I'm, saying. I'm talking about the mechanical stuff. my dad's not a yeah. programmer everything we do is mechanical yeah, yeah. mechanical in nature it's it's, it's my point is is you it's a great way to bring friends together right. spend quality mm -hmm. time with people you whose company you enjoy yeah you know what's alternative you sit in front of a tv and what sport right drink mm -hmm. beer neither of us drink beer so that's not so it's, it's just a fantastic way and if somebody in that group goes home with something tangible that improves their life i think that's really really cool right right and that to me is what the plowers it's Friends of the perfect, either the person or the channel, depending on how you look at it, all yeah. came together, built something really cool, and it turned out to work for a really long time and make. Yeah, made yeah it's 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 uh, blown everybody's expectations away, and it's uh, and according to the YouTube comments, it would never work. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but but isn't that isn't that? Uh, I don't know. I almost feel like it's you as a YouTuber's responsibility to. Build that into your experience. That makes sense. Well, yeah, if, I mean, if everybody's reaction on everything you ever start with is, oh, it's not never going to work. So you almost want to discount that. Now, what I am excited about from that, I read every single one of the comments in the videos because that was important to me. It was a great experience. Was the people who said, you know what, I couldn't see how this worked in the beginning, and I was one of the people that was negative. Right. But you opened my eyes, and now I want to build something myself. Right, that inspire part, people, yeah. That part was awesome. I love that part. Yeah, that's some of the, honestly, that's some of the best comments I get whenever people say their kids watch us, and they're either out there playing in the dirt trying to do stuff or looking, you know, building stuff. But 
and from a filming standpoint like what we do like if we say it don't work we're not trying to build drama like we don't know Mm -mm. and you we don't like usually film stuff beforehand to see if it works or not we usually turn the camera on and we all find out together yeah for the most part and i think that's what um I don't know if it sets the channel apart a little bit, but I think that's where a lot of people can relate is because it, it is what it is. Yeah. And, and if you and DIY, you have. We even got magic. Failures. It's, it's a good example of this last project, a project we just rolled out of the shop. <laughs> it just, uh, we built it. Everybody was watching as we built it. It didn't work. And major drawing board. Major. I was more worried about the angles than I was the protrusion, and my protrusion got me in trouble. Oh, oh man. But yeah. It <laughs> we'll was, have to stay tuned for that. But yeah. it's all on video. It is all then, on video. You know, like you and I who blew up the, who blew up the uh, controller. That was the we, relay, wasn't it? Yeah, we had to go back and say, well, it's four days later. We found a new one. Sorry we didn't film that. But we literally just, he just switched the power on. Sort of getting ready to film, but that was already too yeah. late. Yeah. But no, and that's one thing awesome about YouTube. It does a good job of aligning like minded people, whether it's in the comments mm-hmm. or, you know, yeah. Jason's a good example. Some of my best friends now is people I've met through the, yep. through the platform. So I agree with you. And I think if it's, if you are not like minded, there is so much content available on YouTube. Yeah. Well, you just wouldn't watch that guy. Right. You know, yeah. Go watch the next one or the next one or the next one. And the other thing that I find interesting is obviously I like the construction channels. Uh, having started with watching Mike and then later started the Let's Digs and all the other guys is um, if you talk to other people is how they all enjoy construction style videos, but how vastly different their opinions is about which is their favorite and which one they really don't enjoy yeah. enjoy right. watching. So it's even in a subset of, of interest, there's a lot of opinions about yeah. what's good. And I've that. said that a lot of times, you know, um, the way I do stuff and the way Chris do, does stuff and, and some aspects is completely different. I don't mean either one of us is right or wrong. Um, I think that's what I'm trying to say. There's a viewer, yeah. there's a viewer for Chris's style. There's a viewer for your exactly. Style. You know, in uh, different parts of the country, yeah, they're in different parts of the country. Different people do stuff different ways. There's different standards. There's different codes. There's different dirts. There's different everything. But not just that. I think I'm talking about literally the style of personality in the video right. itself. You know, right. they, there's these people who enjoy that video more for for whatever he brings to the table. I think it's the interesting. Yeah. Well, Jason, we probably need to wrap this one up. You got anything you'd like to uh, add over there? Yes, I do. I uh, started this on the last episode that I recorded with my friend Chris. Um, and now that we have Flaming Dirt on for the first, well, first time officially on the podcast, I've got a question for him. Um, so if someone you've never met before came up to you and asked you for a piece of advice to help them better their life, what would you offer? I think uh, find the line between respect and success. I think that's the biggest mistake people make is they they want to get to success without realizing there's a direct line through respect to get there. You're only going to be successful if you respect the people that you work with, work for, or even work against for that matter. And I think that's the that is the most common thing that I see people sort of 
segregate their career success with their personal beliefs. Yeah, I mean, the they first thing... things they think it's okay to do in their work environment. And even though they personally was against that, and then don't realize, well, why does my work environment don't, why don't I succeed there? Yeah, I, I, I've seen that happen myself firsthand, to be honest with you. I like it. Did, did we lose you over there? Did I didn't know if we put him to sleep or what happened over there. Oh, you're so small on the screen. I thought your mouth was moving. My mouth's moving. You'll hear me. I promise. <laughs> oh, that was why I was confused. What's that? I said that was why I was confused because it oh. looked like your mouth was moving. I didn't hear anything. You <laughs> <laughs> hear an act natural. <laughs> uh, well, we're, I, I think I have a question. Maybe at the people who are listening, the two of you, what do you think Mike and I should build next after version two? I know what I'm, I got a few different ideas. I've always got ideas in my head, you know that. Yeah, yeah. I think it'll be interesting to hear what other people would enjoy seeing us do. Not saying we shouldn't do the stuff that you want to do as well. Right, right. I don't, I don't, even, I don't even want to throw my ideas out there because I'm kind of curious what what fresh ideas would possibly pop up in the comments, to be honest with you. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's, I think it'll be cool to hear from everybody. What, what is the things, because Mike and I have got such different but complementing skill sets, mm -hmm. I'm sure there's some really cool ideas of things that the two of us can try and build combining our skills together. Right. Yeah. I'm definitely interested to know what, uh, what would possibly come up for sure, because between his skills and my skills and Aaron's skills, I'm not for sure there's a whole lot. We need to find a machine. Well, he's a machinist. Or we'd be pretty dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> you still have my machines. I do still have your yep, machines. I'm still yeah. looking at them right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Jason. Uh, we still use them quite a bit, too. So. I have this dying hunch. I'm not getting them back. <laughs> we almost uh, we almost went and uh, traded you out band souls the yeah, other day. Yeah, <laughs> we got real close. <laughs> oh, I just bought another one. Oh, oh really? We'll yeah. just keep that one then. Yeah, yeah. you should have traded. Thanks, him. buddy. Oh, and I just upgraded my plasma cutter too. <laughs> I have a great parting story for us. A uh, neighbor of mine loaned out uh, his uh, grass cutter wheat, wheat eater yeah. to, to neighbor on the other side who never returned to them. And then eventually, nine months later, the neighbor walked in and says, your wheat eater is broken. You better fix it. I need to cut my grass this week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you better come fix your band so you. <laughs> oh, Lord. Have you actually my band saw broke, so I was going to borrow Jason's permanently? <laughs> That's what yeah. he told yeah. Jason. He better come fix his band so yeah. you need it. Uh, how's my oil drain pan doing? Oh, very good. Okay, we use uh, music oh, quite a bit. Yeah, that one that one hurt a little bit. That was brand new when I got it. Never got a chance to use it. And then uh, it's well used now. Well, yeah. used a couple it. hundred gallons went through. Yeah, yeah. but uh, we're gonna try out your sandblasting cabinet probably next week. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. The air compressor's down there too. Yeah. Well, so far, old trusty over here is still pumping. Okay. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Air dryer's still going. So. 
Uh, if you get bored of your TIG welder, we could use it, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did, did you bring <laughs> it down? Well, yeah, and the third one trying yeah. to learn. So send us a TIG welder. <laughs> did you leave it down here? You got it back here with you. I have it up here. I'm actually I'm building a bumper for Chris now with it. Could you expedite that down? <laughs> I will think about it. <laughs> Talking about you know enjoying pro projects, uh, when we started at Sarasvarakun, I built my own self-reclaiming sandblaster. Really? I love to when you come down. I got to show you that thing. I'm pretty proud of that project. It, uh, it's, well, our our sandblasting we, setup is not self-reclaiming. It's more like no, don't laugh. Spray and pray. I was weren't so I actually I actually came up with a design which I thought would work. But there's also one of those things where I was just putting ideas and parts and things mm. together. The next moment we look and oh, down here is the clean sand and over here is, is the dust that came out and over here is the clean the clean air. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> Maybe he needs to bring that up. We need to try it out. Oh. <laughs> I'll, gotta, build, I'll build you one, but, but no, that one ain't moving. It's, it's a big camp. We got to get, get that shop edition on there first. Yes, we do. Aaron's yeah. convinced we're adding on to the we're shop. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll come and help, help with that one. Yes. That's the funny thing is most of my experience obviously is, is programming electronics and, and manufacturing but the thing i enjoy the most is it's construction yeah i really really enjoy that that's me and aaron talking about that today you know i i enjoy the excavating love it but i also enjoy working in the shop like in winter time but i yeah, think if yeah. i did both of them all year round i'd get burnt out on either one it's, it's nice to kind of go uh bounce back and forth a little From bit one to the other and that, come up here, I'll put you right. consulting is you can do it yeah, it's it makes it nice. So, well, we are going to have to wrap this one up. Aaron's got to get home, and the kiddos just showed up. I want to see them, and we yep. have some uh, some projects to maybe figure out. So, hopefully, everybody enjoyed. And thank you, uh, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, and you got in. Uh, we can send everybody your guys' website, uh, Flaming Dirt. Is flamingdirt.com? Yes, flamingdirt.com. Uh, check him out there. He's got a lot of cool mm -hmm. products they make, and uh, a lot of different uh, different stuff. So, a lot of powder coating. A lot of Jeep stuff. Yep. So, Ooh, I came to fame in the retail market, not the not the you know quoted market. Is the fact that we take most of the common Jeep accessories and we make it available in the actual Jeep colors. Right. Because usually it's silver, black, or white are the colors you can buy them. So you can get it in your specific color. That's all powder coated, correct? Yeah, yeah. Like like your Jeep accessories, which I which I offered you two years ago. <laughs> yeah. And all he had to do was pick which one of the two colors yellow. Yeah. And here we are. <laughs> here we are. Yeah. Well, well, my yeah. so. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the problem. He had too many colors to pick from. <laughs> so, all right, guys. I, appreciate I you. you appreciate you listening. Right. Hope you guys enjoyed, and uh, well, I'm sure we'll be back for more. Yep. See you later. See you guys. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.